And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. And this is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast World Cup Edition. Today, we will be looking back on day 10 of the FIFA Women's World Cup. It was a day for set-piece stunners in Australia and New Zealand. Sweden put five past Italy, including multiple headers from golden boot contender centre-back Amanda Ilstedt, which saw them take charge of Group G. Title contenders France and Brazil took each other on in Group F, with the French taking all three points near the end. And... Jamaica's victory over Panama means they're level on points with France in Group F and knocks Panama out of the tournament. Join me today are The Athletic, Charlotte Harper and Harriet Drudge. Hello both. Hello Michelle. Hey Michelle. We'll also be hearing from Michael Cox and Jacob Whitehead during the show. First up, a Lionesses update. So before we get to today's games, let's talk the Lionesses. As we reflected on in yesterday's podcast, England won 1-0 over Denmark to put themselves in a very strong position to qualify from Group D. Uh, Jacob Whitehead will be with the Lionesses throughout their tournament and here is his latest report. Hello, this is Jacob Whitehead reporting from Sydney and it is quite a subdued England camp today. Players were training, it was a recovery session, so only about half the players were actually kind of taking place in the full facility. And obviously there was one major absence, Kira Walsh, probably England's most important player who looked to have sustained a pretty significant knee injury after about 35 minutes of the Denmark game. It's a real shame that first 35 minutes England looked really good. Lauren James is drifting in field, Walsh is beating her marker, Cole. Here's a different England side to the side who played Haiti. And then after that injury, understandably, emotionally, England withdrew into their shells a bit. But importantly, still did enough to get the job done. Is Walsh out? Every sign is pointing to her missing the rest of the tournament. There's been no official confirmation. She was having scans today at the team's base, which is, as we know, about an hour north of Sydney. But this could really be a 24 hours, 48 hours, which sets the course of England's tournament. It's an area they don't have that much depth. Conversations over the next few days are kind of going to be about how Serena Wiegmann replaces Walsh. There's multiple options, but none of them are necessarily an easy option. There's people like Laura Coombs, who came on when Stanway dropping back. There's Manchester United's Katie Zellum. There's Jordan Nobbs. Which is she going to go for? Is Walsh out? Who knows? 
Well, as Jacob alluded to, Kira Walsh's injury, top of people's minds. And we have had an update now, haven't we, Harriet? We have, and it's not the dreaded anterior cruciate ligament injury for Kira Walsh. It definitely looked like that yesterday, and I think it's probably a residual kind of fear that every time a player goes down holding their knee, wearing an England shirt or in the WSL or anywhere across women's football, we worry that it is an ACL. The wave to the bench and her reaction signified that it was a serious one, but we've had confirmation from England today that it's not an ACL injury, which is great news. But we don't know what the injury is. There are other ligaments in knees, so it could be another one. Don't want to speculate, of course, but the only other information that we've had from England is that Kira Walsh is definitely out of the final group game, but she will remain with the England squad in Terrigal. Okay, so Charlotte, it's not an ACL, but the fact everyone was fearing that speaks how big an issue it is in the women's game. Um, Can you just sort of give us a bit more context about why there is... So many alarm bells when someone goes down clutching their knee. Because we've seen it so many times. Um, (laughs) And of course, it's horrible for any player, but big players as well. Uh, If you think of uh, Viviane Miedemar, Beth Mead, Leah Williamson for France, Katoto, you could field a World Cup squad of ACL injuries at the moment. And the fear is also because you're nine months out, at least, And obviously, recovery times will vary from player to player. But that's a huge chunk of a player's career, especially if a a World Cup or, you know, we saw it with the Euros with Alexia Piteas on the the eve of the tournament for Spain. And psychologically, it's hard, uh, really hard. And you question whether you're going to be the same player again after an ACL reconstruction. It's a huge injury. Uh, One of the worst a player can have, Harriet. Why do you think they are happening? I mean, the great news is it's it's not the case with Kira Walsh. We need more information, like you said. We haven't been given that yet. But England missing Leah Williamson and Beth Mead in this tournament because of this horrible injury. Is it because too many fixtures are being played or are there other things being researched? You know, we've heard about the menstrual cycle affecting it. There's just so many untapped areas, I suppose, for women's physiology as well. And we're only just starting to see the surface being scratched, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And the, that's that's the key thing, I think, is that the research just isn't extensive enough at the moment. The impact of hormones, the impact of loading, the impact of boots. Boots have never been, well, up until recently, designed specifically for women. So, you know, that's that's something we need to take into consideration as well. I know some of the brands now are making bespoke women's football boots. But this has got to a stage now where that research, even though it has started, needs to be sped up. We need to stop seeing this happening across the game. It's having such a massive impact across the board. It's not just unfortunate that women pick up ACL injuries more often than male counterparts. It's it's the rate at which it's happening in the women's game. It does seem astounding, doesn't it, that we are clearly very different from men, but only now are we starting to look at the differences and how they affect, you know, not just when we have a period and we're playing football, but also with these muscular differences, our bodies, we're not the same. So positive that it's starting to be looked into, but as you say, Harriet, a long way to go. Uh, Kira Walsh is going to miss that game against China. Harriet, how would you rejig that England midfield? Well, obviously there's no like-for-like 
replacement with Kira Walsh. She's one of the best players in the world. So you're always going to struggle uh, when looking to find someone to bring you all the qualities that she does. Laura Coombs was the first uh, the person that Serena Wiegmann turned to during the Denmark game. But I'd, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Man United fan, I'd turn to Katie Zellum. Uh, I think she brings a lot to the squad in terms of her passing range. Her delivery from set pieces is incredible. She might not be the quickest, but I think we need to see Georgia Stanway in that box-to-box role. She dropped deeper against Denmark after Kira went off. And you're never going to get the best out of Georgia when when she starts so deep. Uh, so I think that's that's probably the option that I would go for. She's only made eight appearances for the England senior squad so far, but she has already worn the armband. So she brings a leadership quality as well. She's uh, renowned for being quite the talker in teams. So I think that that could be a good thing as well. Uh, getting a bit more volume onto the pitch and, and discussion. I think it's been... I mean, I've been at both England games so far and it's it's been a little quiet, I would say, in terms of the, the talking that I've been able to pick up on. So she brings that side as well. So I, I'd go for Katie Zellum. Charlotte, what do you think? Regarding ACLs, it's also the extent of the research, not just asking kind of closed questions. Are your players menstruating? Yes or no? But tracking their cycles in, in line with the injuries. And I think you may need to correct me on this, that only 6% of previous research is actually valid and dedicated to female athletes. So if it's a, from a financial point of view, if you're, you're, I'm saying, governing bodies wanting to invest in this, the game is going to depreciate if you don't have your top quality players. You're not going to get as good a product on the TV screen. You're not going to get the big commercial deals if your star players are out. So it's going to depreciate the value of the game. So you have to invest in the structure and infrastructure around the women's game. It's like running before you can walk and sometimes there's still potholes in the women's game when we're flying off off in the air off to Australia, if I can use that analogy. Secondly, on England's midfield, uh, I've written a piece on Laura Coombs because some England ma- fans may thinking, why has Vig- who is she? Who is yeah. she? Yeah. Why has Vigman turned to her? Now, she's very unlikely to play in the number six deep holding role, as Harriet said, in replacement of Walsh. But it's funny that she eight years ago, she made her first two England appearances and eight years on she has been recalled back into the England squad so I've spoken to um, some people at Manchester City and previous teammates of what she's like so look out for that on The Athletic on Sunday. Absolutely that'd be good as well because I think some people might think where she come from so that'd be a great read thank you Charlotte. England play China on Tuesday then and we'll keep you up to date with all the Lionesses news every day on this podcast. In Group F, Euro semi-finalists France took on Copa America champions Brazil in one of the biggest group stage contests of the tournament so far. Charlotte, yesterday you said France would win it narrowly and, well, you were pretty much right. Initially, it definitely looked like you were right, didn't it? Yeah, I'm rubbish at predictions, so I'll take this one. No, not so. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I have a soft spot for France. I'm supposed to be an impartial, objective journalist, but yeah. Ali Wendy, when uh, that header went in, I was delighted. <laughs> France going one nil up, and, and we'll talk about the goal. But that's huge, a huge boost for France, and not just the three points, but it's always been psychological for them. And yes, Brazil aren't 
World Cup champions like the US have that status or Germany, but it's another tick box for Elvi Renard and his team and, and they will be very satisfied with that win. Lovely headed assist goal as well when I went in. French goal from the summer. Harriet, did you enjoy that one? Oh, absolutely. A header to a header and then celebrating a goal afterwards is, is just lovely. And I think, you know, that came after uh, a formation change from uh, from Renard. Uh, it went to a 4-3-3 and, and Dali and, and Bacha came in and they just looked a different team. I was at France-Jamaica and I, honestly, it was like watching a completely different side. Uh, so I was really, really impressed with them. And even when they looked a bit flat after Brazil equalised, they then picked themselves up again. And even though Wendy Renard was given quite a lot of space in the penalty area, is not <laughs> recommended. I have to say the defending for that winning goal was awful. It was abysmal, Charlotte. Wasn't it? Honest. I mean, let, they know where she's coming from on every corner. And they've just left her. She's about a foot taller than everyone else and she's got a free Christmas has come early. I, I just think, you know, surely your basics are Mark Wendy Renard. And the often the problem is is that they double Mark Wendy Renard and they leave another player free. Well, that was just completely the opposite. So yeah, for all credit to Wendy Renard, but to be honest, it was handed on a silver platter for her. Yeah, I think even I would have scored that. <laughs> so Brazil equalised on 57 minutes. They were... Getting a little bit of pressure, um, Dabinia with the finish, it was lovely. But then the subs at 60 minutes, Charlotte, felt a bit odd. And, well, Jay-Z, it was highlighted in the commentary how well she was playing out wide. Yeah, I was a bit flummoxed at that, um, given Jay-Z's performance so far, her reputation that beholds her as Barcelona forward, unpredictable player, can you know make something happen out of nothing. But who I was really impressed by was Vicky Béchot for France, coming on for Eugénie Le Sommer. Really mature, only 19 years of age. She played her first senior game for France two weeks ago in the France, uh, in the friendly against Australia. <laughs> so Hervé Renard has obviously seen something. And she was actually the player, I don't know if you remember, who um, conceded the penalty against Chelsea in the Champions League uh, in, at Stamford Bridge. Um, so a young player, but wise shoulders, no, a wise head on young shoulders and composed and controlled the game really well. So very impressed with her. Watch out for her in future rounds to come. I like wise shoulders. She has wise shoulders. <laughs> France scored. <laughs> France scored. It's good. That's like, not wise head. Her shoulders are very wise. Uh, France scored <laughs> their second uh, when it felt really that Brazil would get the second. Did it feel a little bit against throwing a play at that point, Harriet, even though France overall probably had more attempts? Yeah, definitely. I think after the equaliser, it became a really open game. It, it was end to end for a bit. And even though there weren't necessarily loads of shots for the goalkeepers to deal with. It was just so exciting to watch. It did feel like a goal was coming. We didn't necessarily know how it would come. Um, and the way that, you know, Wendy Renard was just completely unmarked from start to finish for that corner was unbelievable by Brazil. Brazil are on a run of 12 games against France without a win. And you can kind of see why. And you'd think that Wendy Renard would be the one player that you would want to mark at a corner and that they would know all about her, given not, her goal scoring record. It's not like you can't record. notice her either, is it? You know, she is Ex there. Exactly, exactly. So that was that was really disappointing. That will be probably one of the most disappointing elements of, of Brazil's performance today, that they got themselves back in it and were in with a chance of grabbing the points themselves and, you know, all but qualifying for the knockouts. But they let it slip. 
So in Group F, Jamaica's win over Panama means they are level on points with France and that knocks Panama out. Next up in Group F, it's Jamaica against Brazil and Panama versus France. Both games start 11am UK time on Wednesday, the 2nd of August. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Italy's positive start to the tournament ground to a halt under a selection of superb Swedish set pieces. The Athletics' Michael Cox was at the Wellington to Thangaritara Stadium and here's what he thought at the final whistle. Well, a remarkable result here in Wellington. Sweden 5, Italy 0. Even more remarkable when you consider the nature of the first 20 minutes of the game where Italy were completely on top. They used a very clever formation, almost a cross between a diamond and a 4-2-3-1. And Sweden were completely flummoxed by it. On two occasions, midway through the first half, their players got together in a kind of impromptu little committee meeting in the middle of the pitch, kind of pointing and gesturing and just trying to work out what was going on. And to be fair, they did hold back the tide. For the next 10 minutes, Sweden kind of worked their way into the game. But really, they won it completely from set pieces. Three of their first four goals were from corners, all from Jonna Andersen's in-swinging crosses uh, from the right flank. Two of them were scored by Amanda Illestead. She also scored the winner in the 2-1 win over South Africa in Sweden's first game. And in the press conference I've just got out of, she joked that she has got her eyes on the golden boot. As things stand, no one has scored more than her in the competition. But a big win for Sweden. And really, that looks like it's settled the group now because of the goal difference swing. No way back from Italy in terms of overhauling Sweden, you would expect. So Sweden will top this group. So as Michael was saying, Italy actually looked sharper in the first 20 minutes. Um, Sweden really grew into this and had to establish themselves. Is that fair, Harriet? Yeah, definitely. Italy started so positively. They were full of confidence, even though Sweden were dangerous in the transition which they were against South Africa as well, to be fair, but not helped by the conditions there. They weren't really finding their final ball in in the first 20 minutes, but Italy looked confident. They forced Muzovic into a few stops and a few nervy stops as well. Uh, So they would have been, you know, kind of looking to test her more. But after Sweden scored, uh, it was kind of, yeah, all over for Italy. Yeah, Sweden centre-back Amanda Ilstedt scored again for Sweden from a set piece. It was a great header. She signed for Arsenal over the summer. She's got the unenviable task of replacing Brazil captain Rafael for the Gunners next season. Charlotte, what have you made of her um, so far? I think her fellow uh, Swedish manager, Jonas Edeval, will be uh, looking on and pretty pleased with that. Three goals now. 
golden boot on on the cards yeah. um, for the centre back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean Michael's piece is brilliant on the on the in swinging corners. Definitely take a look at that. As for Ilistet, uh, she's a right footed centre back, whereas. Rafael was a left-footed centre-back and that's really why Arsenal brought Rafaeli in uh, is to have that balance with Leah Williamson playing on the right and then Rafaeli on the left. And they're hard to come by if you look at Alex Greenwood as a left-footed centre-back as well. So Elastet has been very impressive for Sweden and goals <laughs> do wonders uh, for your confidence. But Sweden just peppered the box from corners. They're, they're a really tall team it's really tough for the goalkeeper to take crosses. I was speaking to Mary Earps earlier in the year uh, about this and we watched the Sweden game back in the semi-final in the Euros and they restrict the space on the goalkeeper so you don't have a lot of space to get that move or, or momentum from the keeper and they, they make it really tough and they nailed the set pieces and Italy just fell apart. Well, yeah, look, you've mentioned it there and Michael's done a brilliant article on this. Set pieces for Sweden, crucial so far. Four of their six goals coming from them up to this point, including that opening goal today. When I was with Emma Byrne on ITV the other day, she said, unlike what you expect from an Italian side, this Italian side, they're not known for their defending, but surely it was pretty surprising how Italy were so unorganised. They were bad at defending corners. They should have known. It was Sweden's strong point, shouldn't they, Harriet? Yeah, absolutely. When you know that a team's strength is corners, you need to do everything you can, one, in the first instance, not to concede them. <laughs> and they just kept on conceding them. And even when they were, you know, setting up, you could see the panic. The, there was panic in that back line. They, did, they almost didn't know what to do. And physically as well, they didn't seem to really kind of put a glove on, on any of the Sweden players who were in the box. Yeah, it just looked like they were going to concede from every single corner, didn't it? I wonder how you prepare to defend corners against such a tall opposition, though. Do you get your taller men... <laughs> Do you not get your dark cuts out? Little, what? Like, <laughs> little grab of the shirt from behind so VR can't see it, tread on the toes. Is well, that not what's going on, I'm thinking. I'm cover. thinking in the training ground, you get your taller members of staff, which are probably males, to get in the box and, you know, head some balls against you. But it's tough to defend against such physicality. Well, Stine Blackstein has got Sweden's third. Brilliant movement in the build-up to it, Charlotte. Really clever, the way... Um, she sort of goes for the near post, peels off, and then she finds herself at the far post. But she doesn't just find herself there. It's all planned to precision, isn't it? We've seen this before from Stina Blackstenius in the Women's Super League. It's, um, her movement is second to none. So no surprises there. And this is a much-needed win for Sweden to get that momentum and you know bag a couple of goals. I think that will put them in good stead. Uh, they came third in the 2019 World Cup. Do you think their threat from these set pieces and the experience in the side means they might get further than some of us are thinking, Harriet? Yeah, I think so now. I think after, you know, getting that last minute winner against South Africa and then building on that momentum in, in this game, when they they got four already, they, they didn't look like they wanted to stop there either. They were pushing for a fifth. It was a real statement win from Sweden. It's their biggest win since an 8-0 win over Japan in 1991. So... Yeah, I think I think we should be keeping an eye on Sweden throughout the tournament. This was the youngest team field of Italy in a Women's World Cup. Um, they're certainly in a period of transition. Uh, looking ahead to the next tournament, do you think we might see Italy rising as a force, Harriet? Because they do seem 
to not really deliver um, on the world stage. I know they did well in the World Cup in 2019. They reached the quarterfinals, but then they were poor at the Euros. They'll be disappointed with, with how this is panning out, would you think? Or is it because they are fielding youngsters like Juliana Dragoni uh, being 16? Yeah, exactly. I think they've got youngsters now who have got major tournament experience under their belt and going into the next few tournaments, I think that'll only stand them in good stead. Like you said, they did well in 2019. They were in a group with Australia, Brazil and Jamaica and they topped it. So they have previous in doing well at major tournaments. And even though you know, not necessarily loads of that squad will be going into the next World Cup, the tournament experience is something that you, you can't really replicate. Caroline Sager got her 237th cap for Sweden. That's a new record, 237. I did not say that incorrectly. Um, finally, for this game, I cannot go over the Swedish team's match day suits. So I, I'll tell you what I haven't liked is the Nike training jackets that some of the teams have been coming out in for the anthems. I think they are horrendous. Just personal opinion. But these suits, <laughs> come on. Are you with me on this? They are, I'd say, cream, double-breasted blazer, and wide leg trousers with a pleat down the front. And it's a strong look with white trainers. Harriet, you having this? I am very much so on other people. I think it looks wonderful. I think it looks wonderful and I can admire from a distance. But if I was to try that on, I, I would not be pulling that look off. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there now. It's not working for me. Right, so Charlotte, uh, Harriet's not heading down to the shops to get one of these, but what do you reckon? I really like them. I'm a big fan. They're very Scandi, very chic, mm. very sleek. Yeah, the only question I have is the polo shirt. Because once you take the blazer off, <laughs> I just don't think the outfit is complete. Like, the outfit is made by the combination. And, yeah, the polo shirt isn't doing it for me. But the rest, love it. And I like y Yona Anderson's nails as well. She's nailed it. yes. Yeah, they're very pretty. Nailed, nailed it. I like what you did there as well, back in my puns. I feel like a crew neck t-shirt would have been positive uh, underneath. But before we start getting lambasted for talking about too much fashion, uh, let's move on. Group G looks like this. Sweden are top six points from their first two games. Italy second with three. Third, South Africa. They've got a point as of Argentina uh, at the bottom in fourth. Next up in Group G, South Africa against Italy, Argentina against Sweden. The final fixtures in Group G both start at 8am UK time on Wednesday the 2nd of August. So tomorrow looks like this. It's our first four-game feast as some groups are reaching their conclusion now. Uh, it all begins nice and early, 5.30 in the morning with the Korea Republic against Morocco. And then both games in Group A kick off at the same time. Norway against the Philippines and Switzerland against New Zealand, both at 8am. And then in Group H at 10.30, Germany against Colombia. Um, Harriet, what catches your eye there? Germany versus Colombia, I think, will be a brilliant match. Can't wait to see Linda Caicedo take on a German defence, but also to see whether Germany are going to maintain their momentum and, and keep on banging in the goals. What about you, Charlotte? I am looking forward to Switzerland, New Zealand. Uh, I think Michael had this down as, you know, the tussle for second place and we presumed that Norway would top the group but that's going to be really close and Norway are at risk of heading out of the group stages of two consecutive international major tournaments last year the Euros and this year the World Cup. Yeah we could be having a very in-depth discussion about what has gone wrong for Norway. No way to Hedeberg either. It's a tough ask 
and we will dive deeper into what happens on tomorrow's podcast. Worth noting Gianni Infantino won't be at any of those games. He's already left the Women's World Cup. We don't know if he's returning. Probably a bit easier though for you or I because he can hop on a private jet. Uh, he was in guitar though for the duration of the Men's World Cup. Thank you very much for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast wherever you're listening now so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks to my guests Charlotte Harper, Harriet Drudge, Michael Cox and Jacob Whitehead. I'm Michelle Owen and we'll see you tomorrow. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.